Time for the weekend to begin. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. But we can't start until we ask the preacher. Ask the Preacher, your chance to have Bible questions answered. Brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church. Ask the Preacher. Here's John Freed. Well, folks, thank you for uh, joining today. I'm glad you're here on this last day of March. And in uh, many ways, this week will definitely be a historical week for the United States of America. Uh, We'll talk about a few things concerning that, but I would really love for you to join the conversation today. Listen, I'll tug on your heartstrings, and I don't know if I'll be very successful, but I am the only one sitting in the studio here today, other than Eric, and he stays on the other side of the glass and doesn't say very much. Where it's safe. (laughs) Where it's safe. So uh, if you would kindly, so kindly, ever so kindly join the conversation. I would absolutely love it. The phone number into the studio is 863-682-1430. 863-682-1430. So whether you are a common caller or if you've never called before, uh, you're certainly invited to uh, to join in the conversation today. Um, so this has been a very interesting week. Um, starting out the week with a tragic, tragic e- events um, with the with the murder of innocent people in in school. Um, you know, we've had too many of these events happening around our nation, and this one was quite unique. All of them are are unique in 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 their own right, but this one uh, seemed to be a little different than some of the others. It was definitely smaller. Than some of the others, but the uh, the, the situations surrounding uh, were were definitely a first, were definitely a first. And then the way that the administration has handled their conversations and and who is to blame and and who is who is considered victims and who is not it's just astounding to me. It absolutely blows my mind. Um, and, and I, I just it's oh my. Goodness, it's what in the world has our nation gotten itself into? And then to hear people applaud and rally around the the buffoonery of, of the way this has been handled by the administration, and then at the same time, uh, more stuff coming later on in the week with the indictment of Trump, it's first in, in history to ever have a former president in, indicted of, of crimes, especially those that uh, uh, surround elections. And uh, with the current election right on, right on the onset here, right, right on the horizon here, um, this, it's just absolutely amazing what's going on. And so you might have some things to say about it, and, um, and we all have our different opinions, and it doesn't matter whether they differ or not necessarily, but just, just uh, much to talk about. Uh, stuff going on in our, in our state, in Florida— uh, the the bills that are on the table, some of them right at the edge of being passed. It's just some things are, are very exciting. It's just it's very interesting time in our in our world. Um, and and I, I want to bring some scriptural relevance uh, into the into the picture as well. But uh, again, I'd I'd really love to 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 hear from you and and to hear what you might have to say. I, I want to also leave you with some hope by the end of the day. Um, and, and let me be very clear. I, I, my, some of my positions on the on the the posture of America and the hope of America, 
Uh, sometimes I, I waffle in it. I know a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, but sometimes as far as hope for America, I, I waffle in that. But I, I want you to know where I do not uh, waver in hope, and that is in Jesus. The reality is this. If my nation fails or ceases, let me say it this way, if my nation ceases to be a nation today, I am very glad that my allegiance is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I was reminding, um, by the way, uh, let me say this, um, I'm the pastor at Believer's Fellowship Church, so when I say things like I was reminding our congregation the other day, that's what I'm referring to. I'm talking about the congregation at Believer's Fellowship Church up on the north side of town. Um, I was reminding them the other day that as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Scripture says that we don't belong to ourselves, that we actually belong to Christ, that we've been purchased with His blood. Um, If you don't understand that, what we're referring to is the fact that we have all sinned, all of humanity has sin in its nature, and there is only one way to be rescued from the penalty of sin. Uh, The penalty of sin is death, Um, and the only way to be uh, rescued from that is to receive life through Jesus Christ. Now, we are right here right now in the Lent season. We have Easter coming up, and, and, um, and, and so this is has been, had been part of American culture for a good long, long while, the recognition that Jesus Christ is the Savior of all mankind. Now, that has, has been pushed out of our nation in so many ways, but let me tell you, truth is still truth, whether it is widely accepted or narrowly accepted, truth is still truth. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He really did give his life upon a cross he died the, the gruesome sinner's death, but not for his own guilt, not for his own wrongdoing. He did that for your wrongdoing and for my wrongdoing. He paid a price that I couldn't pay. I owe him everything. So when, when I recognize that somebody stepped in and took my death sentence, he took my death sentence allowed me to live, I owe him my life. And so that's what the Scripture means when it says we've been bought with a price. I am not my own. The life that I live is not mine anymore. What it really means is I'm a slave. And so I guess I'll ask the question, should slavery still exist today? Well, it absolutely should when it comes to the idea that we become a slave to to Christ. We become a slave to God, the one who saved our soul. I owe him everything. Everything. I cannot live for myself anymore. I must live for him. Why? Because he saved me from death and destruction. You say, well, you're alive right now. Oh, I'm not talking about the death that I could have experienced. I'm talking about the pending death that we would all experience if it weren't for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So therefore, I become a slave to him. I owe him my life. And so because of that, because of that, I can put my hope in what he has done. So whether my nation goes down the drain or not, I, and hopefully you, 
are eternally saved through Jesus Christ. Listen, the fact is, nations have come and nations have gone. Nations have risen up, nations have fallen. You would think that we would be smart enough with as much history as we have to be able to look behind us and say, what is the, the, the damning causes of nations? Uh, what is it that, that causes nations to fall into the pit of destruction and never recover? You would think we would be able to recognize those things, fall on our face before God, repent and say, Lord, please rescue us. Now, that may not have happen as a nation, but it can happen to us as individuals. It has happened in my life. I pray that it either has or will happen in yours, that you fall upon your face before God and say, I am desperate. I need you. And you'll find out that he's right there. Well, we have very quickly come to the time of our first break. So we're going to take about two and a half minutes off. You'll hear some wonderful commercials. And then you'll be right back here with more Ask the Preacher. Now let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher. This afternoon, having our Bible questions answered, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. It's back to John. Welcome back. Glad you're listening today. And uh, just invite you again. Apparently, Eric, I'm not very compelling. Very few people call. You know what's interesting is uh, as I run into people, they're like, oh, we listen to your program all the time. Almost called in the other day. Like, come on. What do, what do I got to do? Give $100 away to every caller? Uh, I'd call. <laughs> I'd see Eric through the glass on his own cell phone. Oh, hi, my name's Bob. <laughs> so uh, feel free to call in today, 863-682-1430. It's been the same number in the studio for a very long time, 863-682-1430. Hey, I want to read you a scripture out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2. It says, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Okay, what does that mean? Um, Paul is, is writing here, and he's, and he's talking about a group of people, and he's saying, even though they were in great trial of affliction, they had great joy, and even though ha- they had small amounts of stuff, they were very generous. That's my paraphrase. Um, even in the middle of great trial of affliction. And I I just want to capitalize on that phrase because um, that is what is beginning to take place. It actually has started a good long while ago, but it's really on the surface now. Uh, This great trial of affliction, this, I'm going to use a different word, persecution has begun to take place against Christianity in America. Uh, it's ridiculously unfortunate. Our nation was founded on Christian principles, on Judeo-Christian principles, some people will say. Um, it was founded on the Bible, the, the Word of God. Uh, all, of our, all of our laws and, and our rules, and whether they be social uh, control, if you will, um, guidelines, whether they be um, literally legal, civil, all of these things, they, they can be found uh, from from Scripture, it was the wisdom of God that was given to men and women to create wisdom to conduct the affairs of life here on in our in our nation. But literally, Christianity has come under attack. Um, and let me let me be specific. Uh, I think Fox News did a did a pretty good job in some of their reporting on the the murder of the the teachers and children in the school 
um, when literally these are six Christians that were gunned down by one other person, and the administration says that there are seven victims because the gun woman uh, ended up getting killed by the cops, and they, they call her, and I am expressly stating that she is a her, um, they, they call her a, a victim. No, she's not a, she's not a victim of violence. Um, you have to take out the life of somebody taking out other lives. That's, that's just how it works. It's, you know, if it is, is, it is improper to say that somebody doesn't love because they used harsh punishment. The reality is you have a couple hundred kids and, and, and teachers in that school and if you don't take out the bad per the bad woman, the bad girl, then more people die. Love doesn't let terror reign. Love stands up for what is right. Love executes punishment when necessary. No, when it's not necessary, it's not necessary. But love executes judgment when it's necessary. And in this particular case, it was absolutely necessary. I, I applaud the police officers of Nashville to have uh, gotten in there quickly and they ran in and they did their job. Uh, unlike what happened in Texas a little while ago where they stood out and just waited and waited and waited. Um, I, I'm glad they were brave and they went in and do their job. And I know there's all sorts of stories running around about, you know, it was an inside job and the, the government and, you know, and all of those things will eventually, uh, they'll clear out, all the dust will settle and, and hopefully we'll know um, much more truth than than what's already out there. But some simple things that that we know is that the gun woman, she's not a victim of of hate crimes against her. Now, she may be a victim of other things, uh, but not at the moment where she's in there and in on a killing spree. Um, I feel I feel very bad for the families. In Nashville, and as always, you know, all of this stuff gets spun so political, and it gets uh, it gets ugly, and it gets it gets nasty in the in the talk, and then uh, for Joe Biden to come out and talk about ice cream uh, right after this happened is absolutely ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. I it just I'm not surprised though. I, I, but my my point is to say this: Christianity is is under attack because this didn't become if if that was in a Muslim school. The narrative from the media, from the White House, from almost every politician would be talking about how somebody went in and gunned down six Muslims. But because it was in a Christian school, the, the, the religion of those that are attacked is completely left out of the narrative. Completely left out. But yet that is exactly why they are attacked. And then to have the LGBTQ uh, community, transgender community specifically, be calling that week for a week of violence, and then they actually get the violence they called for, and somehow they're able to distance themselves from it. It's astounding. Um, you know, we have people that went up to Washington, D.C. on January the 6th, and there were a few bad apples, a few bad actors, but very few bad actors in comparison to the hundreds of thousands of people that were up there, um, and yet loads of people are being called traitors and terrorists and uh, for, for some very soft action, for some of them just for literally walking the halls 
that were of the doors that were opened to them. Anyway, and then you have something like like this, and the the transgender LGBTQ community is able to distance themselves from any sense of responsibility. Absolutely uh, crazy. So not only is America under attack, and we have been, uh, our freedoms have been for a while, but Christianity is under attack. So what what do we do about that? Well, the Scripture tells us to count it all joy when we fall into these types of, of trials. The reality is that you and I, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I have, if you haven't already, you have got to begin now to decide what will you do when the pressure is is turned up hard against you, when the heat is turned up high? What will you do? How will you respond? And I'll tell you this before we go to a break here in just a, another couple of minutes. If you can't stand up strong against small opposition, what makes you think you would stand up strong against large opposition? You know, if we looked at the story of David, and we can say, you know, well, David faced Goliath. Well, David faced other adversaries first. He proved his faithfulness, and you might could say he developed his his skill and his strength while tending sheep uh, against the lion and, and the bear. Now, in one sense, I would look at a lion and I would look at a bear and say, I'm not sure which is worse, a lion or bear or Goliath. But but nonetheless, the the, the point is to say, if you won't stand strong against small persecution, let me let me be specific. So at work, you get those people that that make the little jokes in the background because of the uh, maybe the little plaque that you decided to put on your wall, or the or the picture that you decided to put on your desk, or the shirt that you wore to uh, you know Friday when it was casual day or whatever. Um, and and then you decide to cower back and to take the picture down or to not wear the shirt or to not pray at lunch anymore over your food because of that small persecution. Folks, the reality is there is a time coming. There is a time coming. Well, they were literally come for the heads of Christians in America. You say, it'll never happen here in America. No, I, I think it. I think it will. I don't want it to happen, trust me. I'm not hopeful of that time. I'm not looking forward to it. But it'll happen. It's happened in other nations of the earth, and we're following in those footsteps. And so you must decide. The Scripture said very plainly, choose you. You choose. You choose this day, today, whom you will serve. Choose today whom you will serve. The reality is, if God has saved your soul, you are his slave. Your life is not your own. You belong to him. You need to become thoroughly convinced of that, sold out concerning that matter. Nothing under question, nothing wavering. Be sold out to Jesus. Your life belongs to him. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. It's 5.30. We have to take a break here at the bottom of the hour, but I'm glad you're listening. I hope you, uh, I hope you will hang in there uh, for about seven minutes or so, and we'll be back. I want to tell you about a couple events coming up here in Lakeland that I think will be a big blessing to you. And so uh, a few minutes, we'll be back. Second half of Ask the Preacher starts right now. Brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. Your host, John Freed. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. I uh, hope I haven't bored you to death, especially if you're driving. Don't fall asleep driving down I-4. Make sure you make it home. Your family wants to see you. I think they do anyway. I hope they do. 
I hope they do. Hey, if you want to join the conversation, you can. 682-1430. That is the number live into the studio. Um, if you don't want to go live, you can call. Just pose your question to uh, to Eric or your statement to Eric if it's uh, brief and, and short, and he'll translate it over to me here. But um, if if you do want to join the conversation live, we can do that as well. I told you I, uh, I wanted to tell you about an event coming up. This is not our event. But I have met the people doing this, and and we have gotten behind it full force, full force. There is a tent miracle meeting coming in just a couple weeks. It actually begins Easter Sunday night. Uh, I don't like calling Easter Sunday Easter Sunday, by the way, just personal. Uh, it's the resurrection. Easter is uh, some... Greek god woman. I'm not interested in giving her any time. So um, it's it's not Easter. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I make these jokes. I'm sincere about them, but I, I just say them in a funny way. You know, people ask, "Is your church doing an Easter egg hunt?" And and this year, my my answer has been, "When Jesus lays eggs, we'll go hunt for them." Uh, Jesus doesn't lay eggs, so we won't be hunting eggs. Eh, we've done those types of things in the past. I just have recently in the last few years come under a much deeper conviction to say we should not do those things. And I think part of it has to do with some of the discussion that we're having today. There's been so much mixture and so many things that have crept into the church, and we've tried to become the church world as a whole, especially in America. We've tried to become palatable, acceptable, uh, where we taste good, look good, uh, become very appealing to the populace, and it has not helped the cause of Christ. You say, well, it has won many people. They've all, all these people become Christians because they, they feel much more welcome. Or have, they, have they really become Christians? Um, maybe they have in one sense, but in a few minutes we'll talk about the type of Christian that overcomes. So my, my bigger question would be, are we raising in the church world right now? Are we raising in our nation Young people that will overcome evil, that can literally stand in the face of persecution, literally stand in the in the face of pressure, literally stand in the face of evil and stand up and do what is right and do what is good. So anyway, back to, to Easter Sunday. Here I say the name again. Resurrection Sunday. That's April 9th. Um, it's uh, if you've ever been to Bonnet Springs Park, there the entrance to Bonnet Springs Park, literally right across the street from the entrance to Bonnet Springs Park, is a piece of property. It's been abandoned, a little bit vacant for several years now. That is where this massive circus tent is going to be set up. It's the Sarasota Circus, if you have, are familiar at all with it. Just a, like a fifteen or two thousand seat circus tent. It's going to be set up right there across from the entrance of Bonnet Springs Park, and for uh, one, two, three, four, five days. A healing tent meeting revival will be taking place. I'm excited about it. I hope amazing things happen. I want to see God just really show up and show off, and I want to see hundreds and thousands of people right here in this beautiful city come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I am excited about this tent of miracles that is coming. Um, so if you're interested in information I wish it was I wish I could say tentofmiracles.com but it's festivalofmiracles.com is the website festivalofmiracles.com um festival of miracles under the big tent of miracles so festivalofmiracles.com 
Go to the website, check it out, April the 9th through the 14th, right there across the street from the entrance of Bonnet Springs Park. Um, every night that starts, not this Sunday, but but Resurrection Sunday, April the 9th, that night at uh, 7 o'clock, the doors open at 6, all week long. And uh, so we're, we're a big part of what's going on there, and it's just, it's just going to be exciting to see. I hope we see blind eyes open and people that are in wheelchairs and crutches get up and, and walk. Um, I believe that the dead can still be raised today. It's happened. We don't see it very often, at least in America. Um, we don't see too many miracles in America any longer. It's very unfortunate. But we have so many other things that we lean on. Um, we we run to the bank for, for money. We run to the doctor for health and healing when we really should be running to God for all of our needs because he's the one who can really meet them the best. And he meets them to the uttermost. And so, uh, anyway, the the festivalofmiracles.com. Festivalofmiracles.com. And so, uh, I hope we'll see you out there underneath the big tent. It's going to be exciting. Um, yeah, be very exciting. I, I want to look at something in the book of Revelation, because I, I made the statement just a moment ago. Are we raising young people? Are we raising up people in the church um, that are overcomers? Can they stand strong in the day of adversity? Um, do they... Do they bend rather than than break, or maybe they don't bend at all? I think we've been done too much bending in our society. We've given way uh, to so many things, and it's what it's really caused us to do is get off track. We thought we were being tolerant. Uh, we thought we were being accepting, and the reality is it pushed us out of line. Um, this these words of tolerance and acceptance. The one who preached the the, the ones that preached that the most who 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 bark about it all the time, they are the least tolerant and the least accepting. Um, And the reality is, as we have gone down that path, we have raised weak people. We've we've raised people, um, created a society that no longer stands up strong for what is true. And so I want to bring you to seven places in the book of Revelation that talk about the overcomer. We'll we'll get started in them in this segment, and then we'll finish up with them in the next, uh, Lord willing. But in Revelation chapter 2, it begins out and it says, to the, to the angel or to the minister of the church of Ephesus. Now, this is a literal church. There's still a place called Ephesus today. Uh, I've been there. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. Well, Ephesus is the old city, but there's a new city there now. Uh, to, the, to the church, to the minister of the church of Ephesus, I write these things. And they're holding the seven stars in his right hand and walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works and your labor. I won't go into the, the, all of the sevens and the, and the works and the labor and things like that. I'm going to get the principle of it here. I know the, the, your works. I know what you labor for. I know how patient you are and how you cannot bear with them that are evil. You don't tolerate the evil person. And that you have tried them. You have tested them which say we are apostles, but they, aren't, they are not really apostles, and you have found them to be liars. Um, and you have, you have carried and, and you have had patience for my name's sake. You have worked and you have not fainted. However, this is verse 4, Revelation 2, verse 4. However, I have some things against you because you've left your first love. So remember, therefore, from where you have fallen from and repent. Now, that's a powerful word. Repent. That's what our nation needs to do. Repent and do the things that you did 
at the beginning. Do your first your first works, uh, or else I will come to you very quickly and I will remove your candlestick. What that means is I will remove the messenger. I'll I'll, I'll remove your light. I will remove your candlestick from out of its place unless you repent. Again, I say that's a great word for America right now. Unless we repent, we don't have to experience the destruction. We can repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Here's verse 7. This is what I want to get to. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, I hope that's you, to him that overcomes, I will give him to eat of the tree of life, which is right in the middle of the paradise of God. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life. So we'll talk about seven promises to the overcomer. Um, I'm going to take a quick call, and then we'll go to break. I think we'll have... Eric, can we do it in that order? All right, very quickly. Mr. Jack, welcome to the program. Yes, I think we need a, a, a Christian warriors to go out and, I mean, not fighting but go and spread the word of Jesus and help young people especially change their life. I go to prison sometimes and talk to these young boys. And, I mean, I have to go through security and lock gates and sheriff deputies all over, and these poor kids are all young teenagers that did something stupid, you know. And some never see the light of day. And I talk to Mm -hmm. them and I say, you know, you've got to get your life organized. You know, find Jesus. Think of a career and a job, and don't live in this box of crime. Get out of it, because all you're doing is supporting all these jailers and these policemen and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. They're depending on you to commit crimes. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, the message of the gospel works. It works. It has worked throughout time, and the church world has much gotten away from the gospel um, we've we've preached a, a greasy grace kind of thing, you know. Jesus loves everybody, and He does. But He He didn't come to keep us the same. He came to give us a new life. And when we embrace that new life that really comes through Jesus Christ, man, He really does. He rescues you out of all your trouble, out of all your bondage. Uh, you don't have to walk the same. And of course, um, you know, th- there's a lot of people that that go into jail. They find Jesus there because of people like you, Jack, that have gone in and, and ministered hope to them. Uh, my dad has gone and ministered to people in the jails for uh, about 50 years now. I guess it's a uh, phenomenal. I applaud you, sir, for your uh, for your spreading of the gospel in the jail systems. And so, uh, good job. Good job. Thank you sir. very much. See you yes, next sir. Friday. Thanks. All right. Hey, thanks for being Bye-bye. a listener, and, uh, and and thanks for letting us squeeze that call in right before the break. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, folks. We'll be back in about two and a half minutes with our last and final segment for today, and hopefully we'll make it through um, his first couple chapters of, of Revelation and talking about overcoming. We'll be right back. Fourth and final segment coming up of Ask the Preacher, your chance to have Bible questions answered, brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church. Here's Jonathan Freed. Hey, thanks for listening, folks. And, um, you know, this show is called Ask the Preacher, and so I know it was, it was my intention to get through uh, the seven places in Revelation where it talks about the overcomer, but we did have another call uh, come in, uh, one call we were able to put on the air. This other call, they did not necessarily want to go on the air, and I can I can respect that. I'm going to address the situation. I hope you are still listening. Um, so a, a situation at hand is, is when um, having a, a loved one 
that is now being, uh, some of my own words coming in here, um, being caught up in the societal issue of gender confusion. Um, a young man desiring to wear women's clothing out in public and, and those types of things. And, and so how do you deal with that? As a as a loving family member, I, I uh, appreciated a comment that was made in the in the call that said, um, I, "I love them; they're my grandchild." Um, so you know, you, you have maybe a, a a granddaughter wanting to dress like a a, a boy, a, a girl wanting to dress like a boy, a, a boy wanting to dress like a girl. Um, here's the reality: the younger they are, the, the younger people are, the more impressionable they are. And so right now in our society, there's a lot of push for these types of things. It's in our schools. Uh, it's, in, it's in the movies and songs and, and all of this types of things uh, just to try and experiment. But I want you to know, I hope you're listening, caller, uh, I want you to know that none of this is new. None of this is new at all. This, has been, this type of thing has been going on for at least 4,000-plus years. Now, how can I say that? Well, because in Deuteronomy chapter 22, I'm going to give you some Scripture, and I, and I, I want you to recognize that Scripture is, is the authority that we should stand on. Um, it was given to all of us to be able to conduct our lives in order and uh, before God in, in righteousness. So Scripture is the authority. It's the rock we should stand on. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, especially verse 5, you, you have the... the it, it, Deuteronomy 22 verse 5, basically, it prohibits men from dressing like women. It, it, it says that it's wrong. It says that it's sinful. It, it's, a, it's a shame and it's sinful. Um, and there were some... Uh, actions that that should have taken place back in those days. We don't do those actions now, and I'm talking about putting people to death and that type of thing. I'm not advocating for that. Scripture doesn't advocate for that any longer. That was the time for then. But whether whether or not the action is right or wrong, the action is still wrong. Um, so now you say, well, I, I can't I can't tell my uh, my loved one that. Well, here's what I want you to to recognize. Um, in third, I'm sorry, in Second John chapter one especially verses 4 through 6. Um, but the Scripture says, The truth shall set you free. If you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed, uh, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Uh, this is John 8. I said Second John, but John and John 8. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If we disregard truth then we are not helping those whom we love. We have to give them truth. Um, so in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 33, it's where you get that about the truth and continuing the word. In Second John chapter 1, verses 4 through 6 is another reference concerning that. And so in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible talks us about speaking the truth in love. So I went down the three parts there because I want you to see the truth out of Deuteronomy chapter 22, that man uh, should not dress like a woman. It's destructive to mentality. It's destructive to, to lifestyle. Our society wants to say that it's not, but the Bible says that it is. So you have to decide who's right, the Bible or society. And then what do you do with that? Well, you have to bring truth onto the scene, because without truth being brought onto the scene, 
a person is not set free. So you have to bring that truth out. And then the question is, well, how do I bring that truth out? You bring it out with love. Okay, so I'm going to boil that down and, and say to you this. Absolutely love this family member. Be kind to them. Don't mock. Don't ridicule. Don't make fun of. Love them, but also you don't need to accept the behavior. The moment you begin to accept the behavior is the moment they begin to become confused as to the position of which you stand. Stand strong in the position of truth, but do it with the utmost of love. They, this is what they need to know. When they are uh, at a place and, and looking to come out of this confusing mindset, when they are looking to come out of this bondage, they need to know that they have somebody that they can go to and they can say, help me out of this, and you will be there. Why? Because you have been there all along. Don't compromise truth, but do it in a very kind and, and, and loving way. Don't make the actions acceptable. Make them accepted. The reality is Jesus died for sinners. And so is this sinful behavior of what they are doing? Certainly. But Jesus died for sinners. Jesus died for, for all of us that in our sin we could call out to him and be forgiven. So this family member, they will, if, if they are continued to be given truth, they will eventually realize that truth is their way out. They will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and they will be saved. So I, I'd like to pray for you, and I'd like to pray for anybody else who may be going through situations like this, and maybe another time we'll come back to the seven places in Revelation where it talks about overcoming. But I, I hope to the caller that called in, I hope you're still listening, and I hope others um, have received from, from the simple instruction that I gave you. I know it was, it was pretty quick, um, but just bouncing in Scripture real quickly, it was Deuteronomy 22, and then it was John chapter 8, and of course I, I referenced to you Second John as well. Uh, but uh, Deuteronomy 22, John 8, 2 John chapter 1, and then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, speaking the truth in love. It'll cause people to grow up. They'll grow out of this. I don't want to call it just a phase. It is a deception of the devil, and it should not be tolerated. It brings destruction. So let me pray for you and, and pray for others. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come before you, Father, to your throne of grace where we would receive mercy and help in our time of need. I pray for people right now that are listening to this program, that hear my voice, that they sense the power of God coming uh, up within them to help them face these tough situations, that they would stand up for truth, that they could do it in love, that they could do it in all kindness, but not wavering whatsoever. The truth sets us free. So, Lord, we thank you for boldness and strength to declare your truth and love. I pray for people under the sound of my voice right now that have family members that are struggling with these, these issues. Satan, you dirty devil who have blinded and deceived the minds, especially of young people. I break your power and that the word of God would come to these and set them free. Set their ears and eyes free that they could hear truth in Jesus' name. Folks, I love you. God bless you. I hope you're having uh, that you will have just a wonderful weekend. I want to invite you out to Believers Fellowship. You can visit us online to find out how to get there. Believersfellowship.com. Good weekend. God bless you. <laughs>